thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We wanted to take the month of November and focus on being thankful. Everyone say thankful. You know, as I was studying for this this week, because um, I was thinking over the next three weeks we're going to be sharing some of these thoughts about being thankful and us gathering together on and, and the, uh, the eve of Thanksgiving and having communion together on that Wednesday. It's going to be a beautiful time as it always is. Um, I really began to, uh, to just think how thankful I am for the things in my life. And one of the things is I'm so grateful, one. Um, that the Lord Jesus saved me. It's an absolute miracle he did because I know me. And uh, the fact that he could save me is an absolute miracle. I'm so thankful. But also I started thinking about my family and just really just methodically thinking through about my wife and kids and thinking through my church family and you. And um, I'm, I, just, I just want you to know I'm so thankful for you. I, I hope you know and I, could, I probably can't really express my heart but how grateful I am for you. And um, I don't know if you have any idea or not how much I appreciate and love you. So I just love you guys. I'm thankful for you. And it's, uh, it's really great to be entering this season with you of, the, of thankfulness. And so we're going to be talking about some things over the next um, three weeks, like I said. Pastor George is going to be doing some. I'm going to be doing some. But we're gonna, we really believe that thankfulness is the key to a life of contentment, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life uh, that's actually worth living. And, and I don't know about you, but I could use some more contentment. I could use some more peace. I could use some more, some more joy in my life. And so thankfulness, we believe, is the key. It's the key of unlocking it. It's the key of moving forward. And so we're going to be talking about being thankful. But when you're talking about being thankful, it's, uh, it's very interesting about the Christian life. The Christian life is actually um, full of these things called paradoxes. The Christian life is full of things that sometimes I don't know where it fits or how it fits. The Christian life, many times, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you could take things in life and you follow it away in your filing cabinet, and well, this goes under good, and this goes under um, not so good, and this goes under a, it was, turned out to be good anyway, and uh, you know, you file things away alphabetically. There are some things in life that you, you got, you've left in your hand, and you don't know what to do with them. And so you put them in the big miscellaneous file or you leave them out on the desk or or whatever and you just don't know where to put them. And there are things that just don't make sense in our experience as a Christian when we're especially talking about thankfulness. And I know all of you here today have probably experienced something and, and uh, and you wonder, how am I going to be thankful about that situation? You know, Paul, who was the greatest apostle, um, he wrote most of the New Testament. He was the great missionary. He went places no one else would go. He got beat up and stoned and not like Colorado stone, but he got stones thrown at him. <laughs> Just had to clarify. I don't want, don't want to start any bad theology here. Um, stones were being thrown at him, and he got hit a lot. He got beat. He got thrown in jail. I mean, the guy, I mean, it just kept going on. He kept preaching. 
And he had, he mentioned some paradoxes in his own life. He actually said this, you don't have it on your notes there, but he said this, I'm sorrowful, but yet I'm always rejoicing. That doesn't make any sense. He said, I'm poor, but yet I'm making many rich. He said, I have nothing, yet I possess everything. And so this is the life of a Christian. And if you don't recognize these things as a Christian, you fall into bad theology, bad understanding of God, and think there's this, there's this thing called the prosperity gospel. Is it, man, if you say something enough times in a row, you'll get it. If you, if you, you, know, if you become saved, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and never sick. And hey, Well, listen, that sounds great, but I didn't see that in the life of Paul. I saw him having great victories, but I also saw him having deep, deep valleys of pain. And if, and if Paul, out of anyone, he understood what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Yet he had things he had to struggle through. But yet, as we're about to read today out of Ephesians chapter 5, that he said, give thanks to God for everything. I don't know how he did it, but I want to find out. And I believe it's the key to living and overcoming life. And so we're going to be looking into this. So turn to Ephesians chapter 5. You can reach, there's a Bible right in front of you, you can do that. We're going to be reading um, from verses 18 to 20. And this is such a uh, remarkable passage, it's a short one, but uh, we're going to be walking, we're going to be reading some more scriptures later, but we're going to look at this one as kind of the, the foundation of our message today. And Paul says in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20, he says, first, do not get drunk with wine. For this is debauchery. Debauchery simply means once you're drunk with wine, debauchery is you have the inability to say no. You say yes to everything your flesh desires and craves. Do not get drunk with wine. Never mind, that will be for another message. Don't get drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit. Everyone say be filled with the Spirit. So what Paul was doing, and he was actually showing a, a contrast here, is you can be filled with wine. But if you're filled with wine, it's very difficult to be filled with the Spirit. So don't be filled with wine. In other words, don't allow your emotions to be altered, how you feel about yourself to be altered. Don't allow the buzz of wine in your life, but be filled with the Spirit. One translation says be drunk with the Spirit. In other words, these two things are going to alter us. But be filled with the Spirit. This is the key to what we're talking about this morning, is being filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. Here's this, this picture of, of this. He's writing this to a people who are struggling in church, and they're, they're a group of people in Ephesus that they're, they're trying to get along. They're trying for church to move forward. They're, they have converted and they've left pagan practices or, and now are Christians. He's saying, listen, just sing and worship God with spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. Everyone say always. And for everything. Say everything. To God the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to talk to you about attitude of gratitude. Having an attitude of gratitude. Really, as we saw in that passage, spirit-filled thankfulness. Spirit-filled thankfulness. Before we get into that, I want to briefly look at two things that thankfulness is not. Because I'm sure many of us know what it is, but 
I think it's important to know what something is not as well. Now, these two things you're going to see. Say, Jason, this is a no-brainer. Thank you. Why did you just waste five minutes of my time? But I, I really believe they're important. The first one is this. Thankfulness is not selfish greed. Jesus actually gives us examples in the book of Luke. He talks about a rich farmer. The Bible, said, Bible says that he planted crops and his crops reproduced bountifully. And he became wealthy, but he didn't give any credit to God. In fact, he focused on his own accomplishments. And the rich farmer, the rich businessman said this, I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns. And I will take my rest and I will eat. I will drink. I will be merry. And I will say, self, you have arrived. That's selfish. That's a greedy person. They're always talking about them and how much they've done and how much they've accomplished. And actually the Lord responded to him and said, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. I bet that was kind of like the, the record scratch in the conversation. What? <laughs> but this is a picture of a person who grows through life thinking they are responsible for everything that they have accomplished. This is the picture. A proud person can seldom be thankful because pride poisons gratitude. Pride poisons the well of gratitude. A proud person thinks that they deserve everything that they have. And, matter of fact, they think they, they deserve more of everything they have. Proud people can never admit they are wrong. But here's the kicker on this. If you can't admit you are wrong, you will never be able to admit that God is right. This is the successful farmer. The other side of this is um, understanding how God feels. Actually, Shakespeare wrote in one of his plays, with his, which is uh, it's called King Lear. He said this. He said, how sharper than a serpent's tooth is it to have a thankless child? Many, many parents understand the heartache of this. There are some children, and you might even be here today, but that have literally bit the hand that has fed you. Some children even go off with the provision given by their parents, and they go and create shame for the family. And there was never once along the way, hey, thank you, Mom, for taking care of me and cooking these meals. And There was never, thanks, Dad, for working and busting your rear end so that I could have the things that I have. That, that's, that was never out of that. It was always this entitlement. They never thanked God. Sorry, they never thanked the parents. And so Shakespeare was right. That's like a snake biting you. You parents who have had to go through that, that's what it feels like. But you can also imagine, as you as a, as a human feel, you can also imagine how God feels. Because the Bible says we're to give thanks. We're to thank God. And there are some people who seldom ever give thanks. So many people go around in life thinking, this is for me. This is what I've done. And they never stop and look up to God and say, God, thank you. So thankfulness is not selfish greed. It's also not hypocritical prayers. Now, some people can thank God in a prayer, but they don't really sincerely mean it. 
Jesus gives an example out of Luke 18. He talks about two men who go to church. One's a sinner, one's a, uh, a sinner tax collector, but the other is a religious Pharisee, very religious man. And listen to, this, to the prayer of the Pharisee that stood up, and he prayed about himself. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, other robbers, other evildoers and adulterers. And God, I thank you I'm not like that person right over there. I mean, it was a prayer of thanksgiving, wasn't it? But he was not thankful. And giving thanks to God is not, it's not us telling God how good we are and how thankful we are that God has made us so good. That's not what it is. So what is true spiritual gratitude? It is this. It's the humble expression of thanks. It's the humble expression of thanks. And I think it says, I think you are either in life humbly grateful or usually, that's not the case, you are grumbly hateful. You're one or the other. You go through life humbly grateful to God. You'll always be expressing thanksgiving to God. It will be very difficult to have a negative, bad attitude about things that you're going through. When you, when you have little, you thank God, thanks for what I have. When you have much, you say, God, thank you for this because it was all you that did this. It is an attitude of the heart. It's the attitude of gratitude. Jesus actually talks about this example. Ten lepers came to him. They had leprosy. And they came to him, and, and they, they said, heal us. And Jesus said, go to the priest. And they went to the priest, and the priest said, you are healed. You're cleansed. Now, out of those ten, how many came back to thank Jesus? One. One came back. Jesus was amazed, but he was appalled because he said, wasn't there ten of you? And only one came back to give thanks. What's it, what is this showing us? To Jesus and to the Father, thankfulness is a big deal to them. Jesus made a point. It's a big deal that you give thanks to God. So the question as we step into these next few moments is, when's the last time you really sat down and humbly thanked God for his hand on your life? When's the last time you sat down and... or? came back to Jesus like the one leper did and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for touching my life. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for doing this or doing that. Something to remember is that being thankful does not equal giving thanks. Those other nine who had leprosy and are healed, they were thankful. You know they were thankful. I mean, leprosy is a horrible disease. They were super thankful. But they did not give thanks. There's, there's the difference. So you might be thankful for what you have. You might be thankful for what, for what God has done for you. But have you given him thanks? There's a difference. And Jesus, what stood out, what stood out to Jesus was the nine that did not come back to him and say, Thank you for healing me. One said thank you. And so, being thankful does not equal giving thanks. A lot of people think it's the same thing. I'm really thankful. Okay, have you given thanks then? And so, we're going to be talking today 
about this whole thing of thankful. So we know what it's not. We know what it is. It is, it is humbly giving thanks as the leper did returning. But I want to talk to you about three levels of thankfulness. In the, in the business world, there is a, a way of pricing that is, uh, when implemented, actually has radically increased profits for some companies. If you book on airlines, you'll run into this sometimes. <laughs> They're like, there's the good price. Oh, there it is. There's a better price. Oh, I get a free snack box. That's awesome. But it, cost, it only costs you like this much more, but you get a few little extra perks. Then there's the best price. Now this one's nice because you get like early bird boarding, so that's really sweet. So it's good, better, and best. I'm going to talk to you today about three levels of thankfulness. Because I believe when it comes to giving thanks, there are actually three levels of doing so. So the first one is this. It is good this is our first level. It is good to give thanks for past blessings. It's really good. It's obvious, isn't it? I mean, that's easy to do. We can do that. James said this, 117. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. In other words, God, you, look, we look back on our life. God, you're good. Now, it does take humility because you can give thanks for past blessings if you recognize your past blessings were from God. But you can't give thanks if you think it was all about you. Then you're like the rich farmer. Which Jesus said, your soul will be required of you. And this is it. Every good, good and perfect gift, this is easy. God, thank you for the past blessings. And this is good to do so. It's actually the elementary, it's actually the entry level of thankfulness. It's good. Every good thing in your life came from God, so you might as well thank him for it. Doesn't require a lot of faith. You just thank him for it. I mean, there is a loving, this shows us, there's a loving heavenly father who cares for you and gives you gifts. And each one of us should periodically make an inventory of the blessings that we are walking in, that we've experienced. It's wonderful. It's powerful for you to do that. It's just like the hymn, Count Your Blessings. You've heard it. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Right? It's just like that. And so, all right, fine. listen, if you're going to clap with me, you're going to sing with me. Here we go. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them. Beautiful. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Now give yourself a hand. That was great. Good job. Good job. <laughs> that was great. We didn't do that first service. You guys are special. You guys are great. So write down your blessings. Name them. Large ones, the small ones. That write down, remember the great relationships that God has allowed you to have in your life. Your friends and your family and things that God came through and you thought, and in the, in the process you thought, man, how is this even going to work out? But now you look back and you're like, God, you're so good. Thank you for this. That's good. But it's better to give thanks for future challenges. This requires a little more faith. Here's the example from the Bible about these future challenges in the Old Testament. There was a man called Jehoshaphat. 
Second Chronicles 20, just because of time, I'm not going to read all of this, but let me encourage you. You have the reference on your notes. Read this, read this today. Go home, read it, read it tomorrow at work, whatever it is, but read it. Because it's this beautiful story, and I'll, I'll kind of move through it quickly. King Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Judah. And there was a group of kings that had gathered against him. They were wanting to destroy him. They, they were all around him, and they surrounded him. They had a strategy. Jehoshaphat was outnumbered. He was outgunned. He was out everything. And they were, they were closing in on him. They were going to destroy Jehoshaphat and Judah. He didn't know what to do. He was freaking out. And so all he knew what to do is you find in this passage, he gets on his face before God, a symbol of humility, a symbol of, I don't know what I'm doing and I really need your help. And he gets on his face and he asks this question. God, what are we going to do? Have you ever been there? You ever been in that situation where you thought, man, I don't have the answer. You've exhausted all of your books, all of your resources. You cannot Google anything else. You've, you've run out. You got to the end of Google. It says you have reached the end of Google. You were done. That would be crazy, actually. But anyway, you, you had no other options. God what are we going to do? And what am I going to do? Maybe this, this question for you might be an economic challenge. It might be a physical challenge. It might be something to do with your job. All you know is that something is ahead of you that you're afraid of. Something is ahead of you that you don't know how it's going to work out. Your business is like, it feels like you're, you all, you're on the edge. You've been on the edge year after year, and you're like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe it's a situation in your life. I don't know what it is, but all of us have come to this place as Jehoshaphat did. God, what are we going to do? And God, what am I going to do? And maybe you've done exactly what he did. You got on your face. You had run out of options. And there you were crying out to God, what am I going to do? But here's the deal. The Lord says the same thing to you as he said to Jehoshaphat. God says to Jehoshaphat, and he says to you today, first of all, don't worry because the battle is not yours, Jehoshaphat. It's not yours. It's mine. Because you are mine. And that means if you are mine and you are going into battle, that means that battle belongs to me. Same way for you. Whatever you're facing, the first thing is, is God, am I yours? If the answer is yes to that, then God, you are, this thing that I'm going to be facing, it belongs to you too. You've got an answer. You've got a solution. You've got something hidden behind some bush somewhere that's going to pop out and it's going to freak us out. And we're going to high five and say, can you believe God did that? It's the same question. God, what am I going to do? And God says, listen, this is what you're going to do. First, you're going to realize that you belong to me. First things first, son, daughter, you belong to me. So many times we forget that we belong to him. We're looking for him to do something here. And here you, here you have God prioritizing in Jehoshaphat's mind what's going to get him through whatever he's facing. Son, just a reminder, you belong to me. Oh, that had to be words of, of real peace to him. But yet also the second step, Jehoshaphat said this. That's great, Lord. I'm glad that um, it, it, I'm yours and it's yours. 
but what am I still, I still have to do something. I'm the king. You still have to do something. You still have to engage yourself. And God said, okay, Jehoshaphat, all I want you to do is offer songs of praise in this battle. So wait a minute, God, did you know that these nations are around us, they're going to destroy us, we're outnumbered, they have better weapons, they're going to kill us. Do you know that? Yes, I know that. But so what I want you to do is offer songs of praise. So Jehoshaphat probably thought, wait a minute, Lord, did I hear you right? Don't you want me to offer like our swords or offer our soldiers or offer something? No, I want you to offer me songs of praise. I want you to offer me thanks. And this is what the Lord said, Jehoshaphat, when you go into battle tomorrow, I don't want you to put your, your, your green berets up front. I don't want you to put your, your, your best foot forward. I don't want you to put your special forces. I want you to put your choir up front. I want you to put the unarmed up front. And I want them to sing. And Jehoshaphat, I want you up front. So Jehoshaphat's thinking, like he's he's a king. He's been taught to fight with a sword. You want want me out front? Yep, I want you out front. And you want me singing? Yep, that's what I want you to do. You you, you know we're not going to a choir concert, right, God? This, This is a battle. People are going to die. And it says that Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army singing. This doesn't make any sense. This is not how you win a natural battle. This is not how you you kick someone's rear end. You try that next time you get into a conflict, just start singing, count your blessings, name them one. <laughs> this is what he told you, appoint men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army singing. Give thanks to the Lord. We're talking about being thankful, full of thanks. We're talking about giving thanks for future challenges. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It takes faith when you're facing a challenge for you to say, God, I don't know this outcome. But I want to thank you in advance for being with me. The battle is yours, God. It's not mine. You're going to carry me through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Can't you just see the choir at the, at the head of this battle singing, give thanks to the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. And what happened? They walked in the midst as the future child. They weren't in the battle yet. They were facing a battle. They walked ahead, and they began lifting their voice. Imagine what that does just in the spiritual realm, in the midst of demonic forces that are wanting to come against you, that are trying to pin people against you, your children against you, trying to stop you from moving forward, trying to stop the will of God being manifest in your life, and that you are you're freaking out. 
You're scared. You're like Jehoshaphat. You're on your face before God. God, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know what the answer is. And all of a sudden, you stop. And you get your flesh in check. And you're trembling. And you're shaking on the inside. And you begin to sing. Give thanks to the Lord, my God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good. He's above all things. You can feel the demonic breath breathing down your neck. And you're singing, His love endures forever. I'm going to sing praise. What is that? That is the opposite. That is your flesh wants to do one thing. But God's saying, I want your spirit to rise above it and break through it into the clouds and give thanks. And they centered themselves on God. And they began thanking God of what he was going to do, and they hadn't seen it yet. They didn't begin saying, God, fix our problem. God, do something. God, move them. God, kill them. God, slay them. They said, God, we thank you that this is yours. This battle is yours. What would that do to your heart if you were to do that? I know some of you are facing some incredible, incredible things. Very scary things. And the reality is those things you're facing are very scary. They are at bringing you to the limit. You don't know how you're going to work in this situation or how this is going to happen. What was to happen if you stopped telling God about your problem and you began to tell your problem how good God is? God, you're the, you're the Lord of my life. Problem? God owns you because he owns me. Business? This business belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. My life belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. This marriage belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. That child belongs to you, God, and I thank you that child belongs to you. My finances belong to you, God. I, I've been given to you. I've made a commitment to get. God, I thank you that you're the God of the, of, of your, of the word. I thank you that you're the God that answers prayers. What would happen? What happened for them? As they began to sing and they began to praise, they began to give thanks. And as they began to sing, there's that special line, as they began to sing. In other words, it didn't happen before. But as they began to sing, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab who were invading Judah. And they were Defeated. Why? Because some people chose to fix their eyes on God, not the battle. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, this, is a, this is a no-brainer. I'm just saying that the Bible encourages us and actually commands us to do this when you are facing problems. Thank God for your past blessings. It does require faith. But it also requires more faith to thank God for your future challenges. And you cannot do this unless you are full of the Holy Spirit, which Paul was talking about in Ephesians 5. But there's a category even better than this. And it's the best category. You're getting, boy, this is, you get all the bells and whistles with this one. It's good, better, and there's best. You give thanks for present difficulties. Man, this one's hard. It's difficult to give thanks for things that you know you're going to face. 
but you haven't experienced the, the smell and the heat of battle yet. But it's more difficult when you're in the middle of it, present difficulties. It's surrounding you. You're walking through it. Verse 20, as we were looking at it, Paul says this, giving thanks always for all things. Wow. Do you think he really means all? Or maybe you thought that maybe that's not what he meant. Do you really think Paul means all things? I think it is. It's easy to give thanks for the things you want. But it takes humility to give thanks for the things you don't want. Humility says, I don't know how this is going to work. And it's crushing me. But I give thanks that, God, you're still doing something. Some of you aren't going to write that down because you don't like it. (laughs) Nope, I don't believe that. Nope. I don't want that one, Jason. But we are to thank God for present difficulties, for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Remember who Paul is writing these letters to. He's writing these letters to churches that are struggling. They're, they're running for their lives, some of them. They're going through hardships. Their government is, is actually cutting them out and not taking care of them. They, they're being oppressed. They're, they're hungry. They're, they're walking through all that. Remember this. And he still tells them to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is very difficult. It's very difficult for me, even after first service, this precious young girl came up. And she said, I want you to pray for me. She's probably eight years old. I don't know why God took my daddy to heaven. I don't know. But what I do know is that God can meet us in the middle of our present difficulties. Children get sick. Children get cancer. Parents get cancer. People die in automobile accidents. People face bankruptcy and sickness. And I don't think Paul is talking about the matter of feeling thankful. Man, he had enough junk in his own life that he didn't feel thankful. But what Paul was talking, it's a matter of a thankful heart in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the worst thing you've ever been through, still saying, God, I'm going to thank you. I don't understand, but I trust you, God. It's, It's an act of our will that when everything, just like Jehoshaphat, it was an act of his will to obey God. Because that, in his mind, was not the answer. It was an act of his will. I'm going to praise you, God. I'm going to thank you. And I might die doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's an act of our will to give thanks in the middle of our pain. To give thanks in the middle of our questions. To give thanks when we don't understand. And when when our life feels like it's falling apart. When it feels like no matter how hard we try, we just can't hold it together. It It takes faith to say, God, I thank you. 
future with me. To give thanks in present circumstances. And this is the scripture, the umbrella of it all, which we've all heard many times, Romans 8, 28. We believe and we know that all things work together for good. Why can we believe and why, how can we know? I'll tell you this, because the God that we serve is an eternal God. The life that we live is an eternal life. Just because your flesh suffers and is broken and dies, our spirits live on forever. And somehow we trust things we cannot see. That in the plan of God, no matter what you're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, that somehow all of this that we're going through is going to work together for good. Now all these things may not be good, but they work together for good for them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Many people trip up at this point. Thanking God for past blessings, no problem. Thanking God for future challenges, all right, I can handle that. But you want me to thank God for the difficulty I'm facing now? Apparently, Jason, you haven't been through what I've been through. And you're right. I haven't. I've been through my own stuff, but I haven't been through your stuff. But what I do know is this. You can't do this. You can't give thanks unless, unless it is by the Lord Jesus Christ giving you the grace to do it. Don't even try on your own because you can't do it. It is the spirit-filled gratitude. Spirit-filled gratitude doesn't say evil is good doesn't say what happened to you is good. It acknowledges that God is good in the midst of evil. Number one, the spirit-filled gratitude is not saying evil is good. It is saying, I want you to hear this, God is good. Some of you are wondering, how, how can I thank God for cancer? Cancer is bad. It's, I agree. You're not thanking God for cancer. You're thanking God for being good in the midst of cancer. You're not thanking God for the things you're going through. You're thanking God that he is with you while you're going through them. Spirit-filled gratitude doesn't focus on circumstances. It focuses on the Savior no matter what's going on around them. The same thing with Paul and Silas, and they, they've been beaten, they've been, they've been abused, they've been thrown in the jail, they're, they're there, they're chained, they're locked together. And Paul and Silas decide in the middle of their pain, they, 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 they could have died there. The purpose was to get them out of the picture and to eradicate them. And they chose to begin to praise the Lord. Thank God for his goodness right where they were. If you're looking from, if we look from our perspective, we will never thank God for the difficulties. We'll never do it. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to hear me. Who went to the cross, who suffered, and he died, and he was buried, but he was resurrected again then you can say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
I'm going to give thanks. You can face whatever it is that you're facing. You have to understand that Jesus is with you. This last phrase that I just read out of Ephesians 5, this first, this first half, would, it, it would be a farce that we couldn't do this. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Yeah, right. But it's interesting. Paul, knowing his frailty, his brokenness, your frailty, your brokenness, your feelings of hopelessness, your feelings of I don't know how this is going to work out, your feelings of I, I'm, I'm in such difficulty right now, I, I can't go anymore. He says this, but hold tight because you can do this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can do this. And all day long I would rather have God's view of my issues and my problems and thank Him for being God instead of always staring at my problem, staring me back in the face. To rise above. No one else on the planet has this opportunity that with a cheerful, thankful heart, we can stare sickness, we can stare death, we can stare situations in the face, and we can say, His love endures forever. You have the gift. You have the opportunity to live your life in a way that's not easy. But it helps you to break through the present difficulties and the future challenges into the blue sky of the sovereignty of God. And thank Him for being God. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be a spirit of appreciation in your life. And you'll understand that in the end, in the end, God will be victorious. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.